The views and opinions expressed by the host of Black Talk Radio News and any guest represents their views and their views only and do not necessarily represent the views of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Hello and welcome to this Black Talk Radio News commentary. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. I have to give a warning. I have to give a trigger warning before I do this podcast, which is going to be based on a meme that was shared that I reshared with some commentary and it provoked some interesting responses. Some of it was constructive. Some of it was not. I'm not going to share any of the constructive comments. For example, a person was so in their feelings about what I'm going to show you that they was like, oh, I'm not, I'm done with this page. I'm done following Black Talk Radio Network. Now, we got over 25,000 followers on of the Black Talk Radio Network Facebook page. I don't know how long that person has been following that page. It's been up since 2008 at the same time that we created uh, the Black Talk Radio Network. And for one post, as many posts as we have shared and had millions maybe 2 million or, or more views of the different content that we have shared on that Facebook page for one post to make them say they are done with it. And I do get, I do get it. Don't get me wrong. That person has every right to follow or not follow any page that they want to. I certainly unfollow pages. I certainly unfollow people. Um, for various reasons, but I hope that it's for a good reason and not because you're triggered by some information that you don't agree with. But again, I do get it. I get cognitive dissonance. I get the historic oppression of black people and a lot of us, and I'm going to borrow from what some other people said, a lot of us are not in our right mind because of trauma. And, and so we're, you know, we can be triggered and then have emotional responses. So I hope that you will give this information or this presentation some uh, opportunity to share some information with you before you get triggered and just, you know, oh, I'm, I'm done with it. But, you know, I wish you the best if you are. So you, you're probably saying to yourself, well, what is what is he talking about? What is he why was somebody, what did he share? Why would somebody say, oh, I'm done with this page? He must have been praising some white supremacists or something, or or he was sounding like one of these right-wing terrorists and agreeing with them, because we certainly have a lot of black people and non-white people who I, I came up with a term years ago and referred to them as engaging in proxy racism, Okay. Um, I do agree with something that somebody else said. I shouldn't, if I'm going to be codified according to some of the suggestions of Neely Fuller Jr. And again, I don't agree with everything that Mr. Fuller has said. He said some things that I found to be totally ignorant of the historical record, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be done with him when he shares some information that is constructive, that is factual, and is useful. So, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, again, I'm going to say it again, trigger warning, I hope that this presentation does not trigger you and then, you know, you're done with us. If we've shared constructive information in the past, allow us to have the freedom 
of intellectual, I guess, intellectual debate. And it's not really about sharing, but about having intellectual conversations that are not based in emotions. All right. So you let me just go ahead and share the meme with you that I shared that had some people triggered. So let me get that up for those that's watching the video and not just watching on the audio. Um, let me go ahead and share that. So. We have Mansa Musa, who most of you, if you heard of him, is known as the richest man to have ever lived. Mansa Musa was an African king of Mali during the 13th century. And, you know, the first exposure I had to him was when I was a teenager, about 17, about to turn 18. Still wasn't supposed to be in that bar, but I was in that bar. And you may, for those who used to go to bars, you may know that Budweiser used to have like these mirrors, but had paintings of African kings and queens on them. And then it had like a paragraph or two of information, not that much information. Um, certainly, you know, you're not going to get a book on a on some promotional material because Budweiser was marketing their brand of beer to black people. And so they came up with this marketing strategy back in the, um, let me just go ahead and, and show that with to you right now. Budweiser's Great Kings and Queens of Africa in retrospect. In 1975, the Anheuser-Busch Corporation, this is a white corporation that makes alcohol, alcoholic products, um, began commissioning a series of paintings and accompanying many histories of great African kings and queens of history, hoping to appeal to African-American. And this is from a Pinterest post, and it kind of cut off there, but you can imagine trying to appeal to us to market their beer, market their products to us. So let me go back. This is what has some people triggered. A person shared this image of Mansa Musa and they were saying how they would like to see this film. So I was like, yeah, I would like to see that film too as longly, long as it is an accurate portrayal and not, I guess in this term, would, would be blackwashed. You know, we use the term whitewash when we refer to U.S. history and how it's taught in schools and how they leave a lot out. And, and when they talk about Thomas Jefferson, they don't talk about his victim of slavery that he was raping and had children by. They, when they talk about George Washington, they talk about some fictitious account of him talking about, I cannot lie. I chopped down the cherry tree. They don't talk about the uh, victim of slavery that he would reportedly was raping by the name of Venus. They don't talk about the, uh, they say he had wooden teeth and that's not true. His dentures were made from the teeth pulled directly from the heads of victim of slavery. So that's, that's whitewashing. So I guess I got to come up with a new term when there are people among us that want to not sh share accurate history concerning black people. In this case, people who lived in Africa in the 13th century. So I made a new meme, Mansa Musa, wealthiest slaver ever. His wealth was built on slave labor, 
working, the gold mines. And I would want to see a film as long as it is historically accurate. His traveling and showing off his wealth is said to have put a target on Africa by Arabs and Europeans. So I'm going to stop it right there before I move on to the next slide. Again, trigger warning, trigger warning. It's my, it is not my intent to aid white supremacists in their arguments when they try to make excuses for the transatlantic slave trade. And then once that was outlawed, the domestic American slave trade. And we shouldn't refer to these people as slave, but that's the common word used. People know what you're talking about when you say slave, but they were victims of slavery and, and they were traded and what have you. So it is not my intent to, to, to aid them with their arguments, their disingenuous arguments. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The more that you know history in general, all history, the better you are equipped to combat those type of arguments, real world experience here. So last year I was involved in organizing protests and going to commissioner meetings to remove the Confederate monument that stands in front of the Gaston County Courthouse, the county in North Carolina of which I live. And I would get into debates with some of these suspected racists. You know, Mr. Fuller talks about never calling somebody a racist, but they were saying something that it sounded like a racist would say. And so in defense of that Confederate monument, which I found out, that in 2014, the Sons of the Confederate Veterans, which is a, a pretty old organization, um, it is a white supremacist organization, but they had came out with some talking points in 2014 in order to counter those who were seeking to remove Confederate monuments. And so this white woman who was with the Daughters of the Confederacy, which is a local organization here, in, in this area that I live in, one of the things that she said, and it came straight from the handbook of the Sons of Confederate Veterans, is that let's not make it about race. Let's say, oh, the, the Civil War wasn't about racism. The Confederacy weren't racist. And one of her arguments was, and that it wasn't racist, is they used the example, and I don't remember his name right now, and I had heard of him before she brought him up. But they brought up the black slaver in South Carolina, who also, he didn't join the Confederacy, but he provided financial support to the Confederacy. I forget how many victims he owned down on his plantation down in South Carolina. And, and so my response to that is, okay, but he was only allowed to enslave who? Did he have any white slaves? Did he have any, you know, Cherokee slaves? Did he have any, any victims of slavery other than African descendant people? Quote unquote, Negroes, which we refer to as either African American or Negro today? The answer is no. So then how can you sit up there and argue to somebody that the Confederacy wasn't racist, that 
the uh, preservation of the slave trade, or excuse me, the ability for a human being to own another human being based on his skin color wasn't racist. Okay, so again, it is not my intent to to aid them in their arguments. People get triggered because that's what your typical racist suspect will say or suspected racist will say. Well, black people sold black people into slavery. That's true. But it is not an excuse for Europeans, Arabs, other Africans, for anyone to engage in any form of slavery. So that should be your response. Your response should not be to deflect and say, well, it was a different form of slavery. And, and that's debatable. And I'm going to share, you know, uh, some accounts from a historian, a black historian, because, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll share some of these slides uh, from some comments that, that were made by this one person. And I blurred out their name because, you know, I, I don't want to be putting nobody on the spot or anything like that. This was in a private group. So it was meant for group members' eyes only. Uh, but I'm going to share by obscuring the person's identity. But this is a black male that I'm talking to. So let's go ahead and pull up again those talking points. Let me adjust my audio. I see it's going a little high. My voice uh, tends to get high sometimes. So let's go some over the comments from this one person. And I do want to say, at least he was respectful. He didn't call me stupid. As one person said, I was stupid, very rude, very uncodified. And I did not respond in like kind by engaging in name calling because, you know, Malcolm X said, don't be so quick to condemn a person because they don't know what you know or think how you think or as fast as how, as you think. And I'm paraphrasing because at one time you didn't know the information that you now possess. So I just paraphrase Malcolm X. So we shouldn't condemn people. We shouldn't seek to drive them away or let's play the dirty dozens and see who can win the insult game and, and what have you. No, I didn't, I didn't engage with that. I just posted the link for this person to go read the uh, information. So anyway, getting to the comments, as you can see here, the first comment made by this person under that meme that I posted to that group or shared to that group, I have studied Mansa Musa and I have not read anything about this slavery angle being king, he would not need to enslave his subjects. So maybe there is some confusion here in an attempt to somehow justify the European slave trade. Let's not be fooled by white researchers twisting history to their benefit. So my response to that is I'm not white. I may be light skinned. I may have some mixed ancestry but I identify as black. That's what it say on my birth certificate. My mama's black, my daddy's black, all right? Or African-American, whichever term you, you prefer. I call us Afro-Carolinians because we were born here for generations, living here in the Carolinas, going back to colonial days when North Carolina was a, was a colony. And so that is the, I call that playing the white card. 
when someone wasn't doesn't want to or is unable to engage in uh, intellectual exchange on the information that's being shared, they will typically blame it on the white men and say, oh, this is from white historians, this, uh, as if only white historians have studied African history, as if we don't have any African scholars. So by me just sharing a meme, sharing the fact that this man built his wealth off of slaves, I ain't say anything. I wasn't trying to compare it to, to any kind of slavery, whether we're talking about a, the slavery that existed in Asia, a form of slavery that existed here among indigenous people before the colonial settlers got here. You should read up on Comanche history, you know, the tribe that was uh, way out west. Um, they had they practiced slavery way before any Europeans got here. I'm not comparing it to, um, yeah, um, uh, um, you can go look at some of the indigenous tribes in South America, like the Incas, who would capture tribal members and sacrifice them to the Inca, Inca god. And I'm not comparing slavery. I'm against all forms of slavery. What I'm doing is pushing back against this ideal that we should be praising, idolizing, looking up to anybody, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their tribal affiliation. We shouldn't be giving anyone a pass on slavery, regardless of the form that they practice. Okay, so that, that's my response to that. And I did share the information that I'm going to share later here from a African-American scholar, but he goes by a different term now. And, and I'll share his bio with you just to show you that it ain't just white scholars writing about Africa. All right. I, not that I should ignore anything that they have written. Everybody's not telling lies, especially if they sharing documentation. Okay. But you'll, you'll find that that some people will, when you share history, accurate history that isn't, that doesn't coincide or jive with what they think they know about history, that they become defensive, they can even become combative, and they will just throw out anything to try to dismiss you or discredit what you're saying. Now, again, he didn't name call in any of his posts. He was very respectful. He just didn't agree. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Agreement isn't necessary, but you need to back up your stuff with facts. And the fact is, is that you don't know where I got the information from because I didn't post my source there in that meme. You just read the meme and you made the assumption based off of, I imagine, the arguments that suspected racists make when they use the fact that Africans sold other Africans into slavery, then you thinking that, you know, that's what I'm attempting to do again. If you know correct history or you had a correct, uh, um, the correct moral position is you'd be like, so what? So what if Africans sold other Africans into slavery? So what if that black man in South Carolina uh, enslaved 
of the black people. That don't make it right. That don't make it moral. And it does not excuse the, the crimes against humanity of anyone, particularly white people in, in this country. Okay? That should be your proper response. You shouldn't allow them to throw you off your quote-unquote game if you already had a correct position to begin with. Mr. Fuller talks about that, and I'm going to share, you know, um, something he said about that, but let me get back to the slideshow. All right, so the next slide. Mansa Musa was king as any other king. What I am saying is that when you try to equate it with chattel slavery, you are way off base and falling right into the white man's trap. Again, Let's go back to the original post. His wealth was built on slave labor working the gold mines. And I would want to see a film as long as it is historically accurate. His traveling and showing off his wealth is said to have put a target on Africa by Arabs and Europeans. Now, where is the comparison to the transatlantic slave trade? This was hundreds and hundreds of years before, you know, he lived in the 1300s. The transatlantic slave trade didn't start until uh, 1619. All right. So that's like 3000. What is it? 300 years later. I'm, my bad. About 300 years later. So, you know, this preceded the transatlantic slave trade. All right. So, again, let me go back. To the slide, I forgot to address, he's saying being king, he wouldn't need to enslave his subjects. So maybe there's some confusion. No, there's there's no confusion. There is no confusion whatsoever. I would say if a king is treating his subjects just as you would treat an enslaved victim, taking his stuff, you know, treating them bad. I mean, what's the difference? What's the difference? Oh, they get to go home to a shack. Well, they had shacks on plantations or, or what have you. That just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, they, they should, the kings have been tyrants. You know, king, you, you look at Shaka Zulu, in which I had mentioned. He was described as a very cruel person. And I, you know, speculated that perhaps his mistreatment when he was a child, when his mother was also being mistreated as a child, when he came into power, he was he, he remembered all that mistreatment. And, you know, people that are bullied usually can, when they get older, flip out. You know, some of these people that shoot up places are victims of bullying. And what have you? I ain't I ain't talking about the the racist terrorists who who attack Walmarts because it's full of Latinx people or Hispanic people, Spanish speaking people. I ain't talking about them. I'm talking about like Columbine where you had these white teens go and kill white and black teens. You know, it doesn't seem that they were targeting by race or what have you. So anyway, moving on. Yeah. So kings have been tyrants. The king of the homie of the kingdom of the homie which is, I think now is known as Benin, which is B-E-N-I-N. -E it was formerly known as the Kingdom of the Homie up until uh, the 1800s. It might have been late 1800s or mid-1800s when that kingdom was dissolved. But he said that 
when the British came to him after the British had outlawed the international slave trade, the transatlantic slave trade, and again, not excusing them just because all of a sudden they was like, oh, we need to stop this or whatever. Okay. They did what they did. And they, and the queen of England, you know, the monarch in, in the UK does need to pay reparations uh, to, to their victims in the Caribbean or, or, anywhere else that, you know, descendants of, of their victims of slavery live. So just cause a person is a king, a king can be a tyrant. And only thing, what does chattel mean? Let, let's, you know, talk about the definition of chattel. Chattel means property. That's all it means. Means property. It means that you own something. So Mansa Musa controlled the movement in the lives of the people he was enslaving, how's that not chattel slavery? Were they not property? Okay, so next, let's go to the next slide. Mansa Musa ruled before any slave trade, so he was not a slaver as the term is used to describe the European slave trade. So again, not mocking this person. I'm not going to call him a name, but I'm just going to question his knowledge and how much studying he has actually done because before he said, I've studied Mansa Musa and I ain't never read nothing about no him enslaving anybody. I've studied Mansa Musa too and every source I came across talks about that. And the most thing talked about in terms of Mansa Musa was his trek from Mali to Saudi Arabia. Okay. Where, and it then even talks about his slaves, his servants being decked out in, in fine linens and stuff like that. And, and, you know, they were the ones carry, they were carrying gold. You had camels carrying gold, you know, Mansa Musa was flossing. That's what we call it in the hood, right? He was flossing. He was, as Mr. Neely Fuller has called it, show-offism. Mansa Musa was showing off all his bling. That's what he was doing, and that's what put a target on the back of Africa, as some historians speculate. As word got out about the wealth that could be found in Africa, them Arabs and Europeans started pouring in, Okay in search of gold first, but then they also found black gold in the terms of black bodies. All right. So I'm not, I'm not sharing anything that should be controversial that can't be researched that you can look it up. You can find whatever source you want to find in terms of the skin color of the historian, but everyone I come across, shows that and to say that there was no slave trade back in the 1300s you mean to tell me the roman empire which did not dissolve until i believe 642 a.d that was what a thousand two thousand three thousand four thousand five thousand years ago you're gonna tell me that the roman empire did not engage in slave slaving people and trading people, buying and selling of slaves. They didn't do that. So again, this makes me question either your knowledge of history, 
makes me question your study habits and it makes me question um, whether or not you being disingenuous, whether you're engaging in an honest conversation with me. All right. So, I mean, the record is clear. You can accept it or you cannot accept it. But, you know, the, the scripture, there's some scripture that says my people perish for a lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. There's a secular saying that those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Okay? I mean, even the famous African-American, African-descendant, black scholar, John Henry Clark has talked about, you know, Arabs and, and Islamists enslaving people in Africa. You're looking at this man's skin color. You're looking at and again, how do we know what his skin color was? He could have been lighter or brighter than me. He could have been lighter or brighter than Malcolm X. He could have been lighter and brighter than Thurgood Marshall. He could have passed for white. You don't know that. Okay. How, why should I trust Anheuser-Busch or Budweiser Corporation to give me an accurate depiction of what he looked like? I haven't come across any accounts of describing his physical appearance. So what, what are these artists basing on best basing his melanin content on? I don't know. I, I don't, they didn't have any cameras back in the 1300s. I don't know if Mansa Musa had commissioned any portraits of himself. I, I just haven't, they could exist. I just haven't come across them. So we need to debate not debate, but we need to have intellectual exchanges using accurate information and it cannot be based in emotions. Okay? You're not aiding white supremacists who want to deflect from the fact that the United States owes reparations not just for the pre-1865 period of slavery, but Slavery's never been abolished. And while we, the 13th Amendment says, except that slavery and involuntary punishment, I mean, excuse me, slavery and involuntary uh, servitude shall be abolished, except as punishment for crime. Okay, that tells, and then you, we got slavery for all now, but disproportionately black people, disproportionately to a lesser extent, brown people disproportionately to a lesser extent Native Americans. But if you want to look at the how small the Native American population is and the number of people that they have on prison plantations, then they, you know, if we want to base it on their proportion of the uh, U.S. population, then they are the most enslaved on prison plantations today, the most impacted by the 13th Amendment. You know, uh, um, Abraham Lincoln, who gave us the 13th Amendment, uh, conducted the largest hanging of First Nation indigenous people in history. When he hanged over 200, I think it was about 200 Sioux warriors doing nothing other than defending their land. He was softer on them Confederates and didn't do anything to them Confederates. Man, and and they tried, and they, one of them, they did kill him. So, 
Now, let's get into some sources. That's what y'all been waiting on, right? Uh, let me go back. Let me make sure I haven't skipped anything. Okay. He says to me, I understand your intent, but here's where I have a problem. White people love to justify the enslavement of black Americans with things like Africans sold other Africans to us, which may be true. No, there's no maybe about it. It is true. And I've argued in the past that just as much as the United States owes reparations, but yeah, they should be number one on the list of defendants. But those African nations that still exist today or their colonial overseers, cause it's still, you got still got uh, uh, colonies in Africa. And I think the French um, would be over Benin right now. They still have uh, uh, the Franco nations there using French currency. So whoever's in control of those African nations, they owe the descendants of these victims of slavery of the transatlantic slave trade. They need to put in the reparations pot too. That's that's my opinion. Uh, anyway, he goes on to say, you know, uh, it may be true in certain circumstances, but the majority of Africans were stolen. Stolen by who? Europeans was not running up into African kingdoms or the African jungle just kidnapping people willy-nilly, all right? Those people went to the slave markets on the coast. Have you not seen, and I'm going to show that in just a minute, but he goes on to say, so your argument must be very nuanced because there is no justification for what they did and what they continue to perpetrate on black people. No comparison. Again, there was no comparison made. But a simple acknowledgement of the fact that Mansa Musa was a slaver. And he built his wealth on the backs of slave mining his gold. He had other victims too that was in his army. He had victims in his harem. You know, you mean to tell me that, that those women in his harem had a choice? That they weren't viewed as his property? See, again, knowing the definition of the words we're using is very important. So I believe my argument, I don't think my argument needs to be any more nuanced than spitting facts. And the truth, again, when I was confronted by a suspected racist trying to defend the Confederacy by showcasing, as Mr. Neely Fuller would say, a black slaver in South Carolina who supported the Confederacy, I said, so what? That don't make, <laughs> that don't make the Confederacy right in what they was doing. That didn't make it right for the white slavers because I make no distinction. I make no distinction. And so this is a photograph of one of the slave castles that was on the coast. This particular photo was was taken in um, inside a slave castle in Ghana on the west coast of Africa. Okay? There are plenty of photographic evidence. In fact, them Africans will take you on tours. You know, this is a tourist attraction for African and uh, African Americans and Caribbean Americans, whatever nation they're from, to go see where their ancestors boarded the so-called slave ships. Okay, as 
human cargo and packed in like sardines. Well, first they was they was marched in from wherever in Africa they had been captured, marched to these forts in chains, or if you ever seen um <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the restraints where it had them collared to a long piece of wood, several of them, and it's on their necks. And they also had chains on them. So they was marched to these slave castles to await uh, being packed in like sardines on these ships. You going to tell me that the, the African elite, the rulers, the ones running the slave trade didn't know? Come on now. This is cognitive dissonance, but I, I understand it. I understand it. When we are taught something and grow up many years believing something to be true or told that this one group of people and only that group of people mistreated your ancestors and still mistreating you today, then when you're presented with new information, your brain can't handle it. It shuts down. You're going to have a response of, of anger and lashing out. I get it. I get it. I, I really, really do. Okay. But we're going to have intellectual exchanges of information. Even if we're going to engage in an intellectual debate, it can't be based on emotions. It's got to be based on facts. Um, so, yeah, that's it right there. So, this is where I got my information from. This isn't my only source because I knew about, I had read about Mansa Musa's slaveholdings slave before I came across this source. But since he had mentioned, you know, white people, and all, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This, this ain't no white person who is talking about this. There are other... African or African-American and black scholars. So let's look at the president of black, uh, Balanta.org. Now I've reached out to, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, Safirwe Baleke. Safirwe Baleke is not a white scholar. Does that look like a white man? No, that's, that's not a white man. Um, let's see, Sofiwe Baleke, known as Brasamada in the Balanta community, was born on April 14, 1971, to Jeremiah and Yolanda Blake, and given the colonized name of Anthony Tony Nathaniel Blake. Jeremiah graduated from the historically black college Fix University, where in 1962, he participated in the Nashville Civil Rights Movement and was met with bricks and stones. He became determined to give his son opportunities he didn't have. At the age of 10, Tony became an Illinois state swimming champion, and by the time he graduated from high school, was one of the nation's fastest swimmers. At Yale University, he became the first African American on the All-Ivy League swim team in 1992. Tony failed to qualify for the 1992 Olympic trials and fulfill and fulfill his boyhood dream of becoming the first black swimmer on the United States swim team. At about the same time, 
Tony suffered an identity crisis. While studying African-American history at Yale, he realized that he was part of what W.E.B. Du Bois called the Talented Tenth and that he had a duty to excel on behalf of the race. On the other hand, after reading the philosophy and opinions of Marcus Garvey in books by Franz Fanon, that though he was black and African, he had been socialized and educated by white Americans and thus, as Marcus Garvey said, required a racial re-education if he was going to be any use to the black race. Having internalized this and following the examples of his heroes, Walter Rodney and Ken Sabra Wiwa, Tony decided to become a scholar activist. That's when he joined the black liberation struggle in America. So it goes on to talk about his studies and, and you know, it's very long bio. That's, that's not a white man. Fact, this is very conscious black person, very educated black person, but not just because he went to a historically black college, Fisk University, or to one of the so-called elite white universities in Yale, because like Malcolm X, anybody who has access to information can educate themselves. So don't take what I'm saying to mean that you have to, you know, go to Yale or go to college to be educated. All right. Most of what I know comes from self-study, doing my own research from scholars like him and others. So this is this is one of the sources. This is on his website, blacklanta.org. Uh, uh, the Mali Kingdom and Mansa Musa were imperialist slave traders, revisiting African history from the point of view of the people who were oppressed. Now, I'm going to put this in the program description so you can go read it. But I want to jump ahead because there is something that he said that's very true and it's in the opening paragraphs. Let me read this. Every year during Black History Month, many well, many well-meaning people post information that they know little about. Recently, I saw a post about the Great Mali Kingdom that glorified one of its leaders, Mansa Musa, King of Mali, from 1307 to 1332, since he was considered to be one of the wealthiest men in history. Such black history posts, however, are very disturbing because they show a lack of critical understanding of that history. I commented that I am providing an alternative reading of Mansa Musa, which I think is equally significant. We have to reread African history from a more informed point of view instead of just repeating what was taught to us. In, in, in my case, and I suspect many other black people's case, that introduction to Mansa Musa came, came by way of a marketing campaign by Anheuser-Busch, the makers of Budweiser beer and their marketing materials to get us to drink their beer. Okay, come on, tell the truth, Shane the Devil. That's where I first got my introduction to him. I don't know about y'all. But anyway, like he said, we have to 
Reread African history from a more informed point of view instead of just repeating what was taught to us. Most of what we know comes from Western scholarship, which prejudice state societies and so-called great warriors and kings because that reflected their own political concepts. And there's a lot of truth there. Why, hey, if you want to disarm black people and, and, and say to them, well, I don't know why you were upset about people practicing slavery in the United States. Why are you upset with that history? Africans did it too. Africans did it too. And even though they didn't mention that, maybe if you do further research, they ain't had an internet back in 1975 or whatever. But anyway, maybe you will see that this man was no different than George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. You know, George Washington was the first president and he was a great general and you know, he enslaved people too. Mansa Musa's not really that different than him. See what I'm saying? Man, sometimes, sometimes the enemy's tactics are very, very subtle. You don't even know that what's going on. The seeds that's being planted. Okay? So he goes on to say, so great kingdoms were studied at the expense of other peoples and from the point of view of the people, meaning the average person. We should not uncritically accept such perspectives, meaning you got to critically think about everything somebody's saying, okay? That means ponder on it, take some time, chew on it, look at some other sources of the information, compare and contrast, and, and then come to, your, come to a conclusion of what, what you believe or know to be fact. He says this, I think promoting the slave traders of the great African kingdoms, including Mansa Musa, is misguided. That is not what we should be teaching our children, that because you become extremely wealthy by exploiting and enslaving people, that this makes you great in history. We should be explaining that all such systems of exploitation are wrong and not glorifying them. Now, again, this is very, this is a lot of research this guy provided. This is a lot of research. And it not only uh, relies on written records, but oral records as well from some of the people, descendants that's still around where they have griots or griots, yeah, and pass down that, inf that information through oral tradition, the victims of Mali, okay? And some of this, what I learned from this, that even in the oral tradition, they forbid people to talk about certain historical events, certain activities of the great kings and stuff. And then while some griots were allowed to learn that information, they had to keep it secret. Okay? Because, you know, image is everything. We can't have people thinking, you know, bad about us or anything we got to portray ourselves as as these righteous moral people and what have you and i'm speaking from from a elite's perspective though so-called royalty perspective and another thing that i learned in here that reminded me of something i read in the in the um book that uh i think it's exodus 
first chapter of the Bible, and you know, I'm going to do another video as a follow-up video on Willie Lynch and Afro Christophobia, the black attack on black black Christians, because I don't take everything in the Bible to be true. Again, I chew on it, I'm, I meditate on it, I pray on it, and some of the stuff I don't even have to do all that. I don't agree with misogyny that's discussed in there. You know, the Apostle Paul telling women their place and stuff. No, that, that was according to the customs of that society because Christ came and Christ taught that there is no male or female in, in the body of Christ. That there is no slave, you know, no bond servant or free, but we're all one. And, and so I'm getting off track, but... I'm brought, I mentioned that because in here it says that says that the Balanta people, and I hope this guy accepts my invitation because I have a lot of questions for him, and I'm sure y'all might have some questions for him, and we can get them on a live broadcast. But he was saying that, what was it called? Let me see if I can find it. The Great Rule, it's like, you know, the number one thing that they believe in these particular people, and that is that you do not create nations and you do not create these great societies and what have you, that the people just live free. Well, that's in the Bible where it talks about the the, the uh, people of Israel, okay, the Hebrew Israelites wanting a king because everybody else had a king around them. And it and in that story, it says that God spoke to them and said, y'all don't know what y'all asking for. You know, you got me what you need a king for. Why do you need a ruler over you? Why you just can't live free out there? And and so he was like, oh, okay, y'all want to keep begging for a king. You don't know what you're asking for, but go ahead and get one. Okay, go ahead. And, and y'all can have one. All right. But in here, it was talking about It was talking about, um, and it's actually got a, a Balanta historian tells the oral history, but he's telling it in English. So I can't locate it quickly. Again, he's talking about the slave trade and slavery was resumed 20 years after another ruler's death who had sought to abolish it. They were big slavers and slave traders, so they refused. So, you know, again, I'm a link to this, but I wish that I could have found the part where it was saying more serious black history. I agree with that. We have to be more serious about black history. All right. So, yeah, I'm a link to that. Y'all can find where he was talking about how this particular group of people in Africa didn't believe in kings and nation states and, and all of that. All right, so, oh yeah, before I go, I see I was gonna play uh, that clip from Mr. Fuller that kind of speaks to what I'm talking about. That it don't matter. If you're talking about practicing justice, if you believe in justice, then you can't sit up there and defend or justify or try to say that, oh, this slave, this form of slavery 
was way worse than that form of slavery. Slavery is still an injustice no matter what form it's practicing because you're taking away the free will and exerting control over the life of a human being. So this is what Mr. Fuller talks about happening to black people and, and white people. Just, just listen to the clip. I might have to go up on the volume a little bit. No, it really isn't. Because, see, people are thinking in terms of, well, they want to brag about being black, which means that they are implying that there's something incorrect about being white, even though these are the creations of the creator. See, and then so everybody gets into this black pride thing or white pride thing, and people immediately start taking sides. It's not about taking sides based on black and white. It's about taking sides based on justice and non-justice. Well, that's what you're really aiming for. Being black doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice. And being white doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice, except you mean in, you believe in non-justice. And that doesn't make any difference what shade you are or how tall you are or who your cousin was or anything like that, or what so-called nationality you have, like a lot of people say that they pr take pride in being an Englishman, or take pride in being a Frenchman, or take pride in being Afrocentric. Well, you're not supposed to be proud of any of those things if you don't believe in justice, because these words mean nothing. No nationality means anything. And, and waving a flag if you don't believe in not mistreating people. You've got to believe in not mistreating people and you got to believe in helping people that need help the most. Otherwise, you don't even have any business breathing. That is, I can't add any more to that. He just hit the nail on the head. Either you believe in practicing justice or you believe in practicing injustice. There's no in-between. There's no straddling the fence. And I feel like that's what some people try to do. When, they, when I want to study this history and discuss this history and they're talking about well they had different forms of slavery back then and they didn't even have a slave trade back in the 1300s uh, or anything it didn't start until 300 years later the transatlantic slave trade again forgetting all of the roman uh um slave trade that happened with within the roman empire which i think controlled over three what three three uh three fifths of the known world you know they pretty much controlled everything you don't tell me that back in the 600 a.d or whenever they started again i think it ended the empire dissolved and fell apart in 642 a.d that's thousands of years ago so what do you mean the, the transatlantic slave trade did not end until I believe the 18, 1850s is when it was finally outlawed. Okay? And then, even then, if you look up the history on the slave ship they found, I believe it was in Mississippi on the Mississippi River called the Clotilda, where you had these slavers make a bet. That, hey, I bet you I can beat the blockade. I bet you I can sell to Africa and purchase some slaves and make it back here. And he did. And then set the ship on fire. And they then found the remains of it, you know, in, in the soot 
buried in, in this river. I think it was Mississippi River or what have you. Some of those people were interviewed by, um, what was her name? Zora Neale Hurst, a, a black journalist, African-American who interviewed the last victim of coming off a slave ship. All right, so like the Bible say, man, study to show thyself approved a workman never needing to be ashamed or need correction. And I just paraphrased that. Okay. All right. So if you think this, this uh, content is constructive and you would like to see more of it, you can share it. Okay. Share it with your family members, share it on social media. Um, also, please continue to support. And if you're not, have not made a donation, please make a tax deductible donation to the nonprofit Black Talk Media Project, which manages the Black Talk Radio Network. And your donations go to support the various media projects that we have launched over the years, the different things we've been a part of, the projects that we have now. We have probably the largest archive of black produced, black hosted podcasts in the world. And we've won three awards in a, in a row, three years in a row. It's being ranked by Feedspot as the number one black podcasting and digital radio network in the world. It costs money though, y'all. It costs money. And, and I'm like, sometimes I wonder if I'm gonna be able to pay the bills month to month because of we don't have a whole lot of people making those donations. So it's tax deductible. Also, you can also join Black Talk, uh, btrcommunity.com, which is a social media, private social media network. We don't share your information with anyone, okay? None of that's going on. Uh, you can join via pay payment online, or you can get our address. You could send, you could go ahead and pick the cash option to join the social media network. If you got to write the check or the money order, take a picture of it, upload it, because uh, you'll be asked to upload your receipt. Then once I receive that in the mail, it'll allow you to go ahead and set up the profile, but you won't be able to get in until I approve it. Once I receive your check of money order in the mail, then, hey, you're in. Just share the email address that you signed up with and the password, and I'm the only one that's going to see it. And then I'll go ahead and, and get it approved for you. That's btrcommunity.com. That that the revenue from that again goes to the nonprofit to support our media projects. With that said, peace and blessings to all. Y'all be safe out there, especially you know during this pandemic that's going on. All right, see y'all on the next next one.